Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. My name is Douglas Parsons. Edmonton is a fantastic place to live. I know they call it Edmonton at times, but truthfully, there are a million things to do. Over the summer, festivals galore. And it's part of the reason why we do have the nickname of being the Festival City. At the end of August, we have the Fringe Festival. It's the second largest Fringe Festival in the world. And my guest today will have a show at the Fringe. But th this episode is more than just talking about the Fringe. We're going to be talking about the person, where she has started, where she is today, and where she is going tomorrow. Who is this guest? My guest today is Kareen Damas. She describes herself as being a bohemian hedonist. She's a queer and disabled spoken word performance artist, folk singer, songwriter, playwright, producer, and finally, a brand new actor. She's been performing on stages around Edmonton for over 25 years, including the Art from the Unknown, Next Fest, Edmonton Poetry Festival, and the Heart of the City Festival a festival that is very close and dear to her heart. Kareen was born in Southern Alberta and she made her way to the big city of Edmonton in 1998. She is passionate about this city, her city, and volunteers to organize the before said Heart of the City Festival. She has brought spoken word to the festival in 2016, where she founded the Beat Spoken Word Stage. She's had some notoriety here in the past little while. Kareen is excited to have won the Moet Diversity Award from the Edmonton International Fringe Festival. And she can't wait to show her newest play, which is called The Bender. But again, this is just some of everything that Kareen Damas has done within the community. Today on Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+, I look forward to this conversation with Kareen and finding out so much more. Before I bring Kareen to your screen and or your listening ears, Tales of the 2S LGBTQ is a weekly video and audio podcast that showcases the remarkable people found within our rainbow community. By listening to our stories, we gain insight, understanding and connection and so let's continue to connect while we meet new people every week. And as I say always, become smitten with someone more. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other audio platforms, and you have enjoyed the content of this episode and the others within our series, please do make sure you leave us messages, press subscribe, and this goes the same with YouTube. Press subscribe. One of my best friends, Dwayne Holm, always reminds me to say that. So Dwayne, this one is for you. Everyone, please press subscribe as that does help this podcast in so many different ways. Word of mouth is excellent. Check out previous episodes. At the time of this recording, we are at approximately 55 episodes and we've met a wide range of people. All of these people telling us their stories which just happens to be our stories. Let's continue to make sure that these stories are heard. I'm based here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and it's important for me to say that 
as I would like to acknowledge that I am living within Treaty 6 territory and within the Métis homeland and Métis nation of Alberta Region 4. This is a traditional gathering place, meeting grounds, and traveling route to the Cree, Sado, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Nakota Sioux. I acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these territories for centuries. I continue to be grateful for the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who are with us today and those who came before. I open myself to listen, to learn, and to understand. And I hope you join me on this journey as we learn the truth. Today on Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+, we're going to talk to Kareen Damas, learn so much more about her. Kareen, welcome to Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. Thank you. This is a long time coming. We talked initially at the beginning when this podcast was going to be put out into the world. And you quickly reached out to me and expressed interest, but more than that, support and saying, this is awesome. Let's do it. And finally, Kareen, here is your close up. Today, we're going to do all the Barbara Walters moments. If you do decide that you want to shed some tears, please put a close up of it as the solitary tear goes down your cheek. That is our money moment. So please make sure you do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so Kareen, let's start with the Edmonton Fringe Festival because finally you have a play that you are putting into the world. First of all, why is the Edmonton Fringe Festival important to you? Well, I have been supporting the Fringe as a volunteer and a patron since 1998 when I came to Edmonton. And I've always said I wanted to be a part of the Fringe, but I never got any opportunities. I, first off, I could never scrape together the $780 that it takes to apply for the Fringe. But for some reason, I had $780 and I was able to apply. And there was a one box that said, hey, are you living with a disability? Are you an equity seeking artist somehow? And I was like, well, I'm disabled and I'm queer, so I can check that box twice. So I did and they pulled my name out of a hat. And now that's never happened to me before, Douglas. I have not won anything. And, you know, my dad passed away. And I wonder if he's not up there pulling strings for me. There's something to it. I don't know what I believe when it comes to the afterlife, but I do believe that there are forces and ties that uh, connect the afterworld to what's happening here. So congrats to yeah. dad. And congrats to you yeah. because there are hundreds and thousands of plays and playwrights who have put their name in. So to have your name drawn is an incredible accomplishment. Thank you. And that's just to clarify there, it's the Mowat Diversity Award. So Dave and Sandy Mowat, who Dave used to be the CEO of ATV. And as you know, the Fringe is sponsored by ATV. And what their goal is, is to break down barriers for artists with disabilities, artists who are equity seeking. And so as a queer person and a disabled person, having this opportunity is amazing. It's so amazing. So I do want to thank Dave and Sandy Mowat for that. 
I think this is going to change my life. It's giving you that opportunity to be heard. And so let's talk about the vendor. And there is a website where people can find more information. It is on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. But for our audio listeners, www.thebender.ca. And you can also find more information about this show on Instagram. The Bender 2022. Without revealing the show and the beginning, the middle, the end, mm -hmm. what is The Bender? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you the little synopsis that's coming in the Fringe Festival Guidebook. So the story is revolving around the complicated relationship between Dolores, who is a 40-year-old queer woman, and Jordan, a young trans man. Now, Jordan and Dolores meet in the poetry community. The play is very poetry driven. And they end up going on a bender where they drink a lot of wine, smoke a lot of ganja, and have four threesomes in 10 days. But it's not all fun and games. Well, you've hooked me already. I love it all. When I go to the fringe, I want to get something new and interesting and gets my attention. You mentioned this character of Dolores. Is Dolores based on you or someone else that you know? I, you know, it's kind of a very vulnerable story and I'm scared to say this, but yes, this is a story that's based after my midlife crisis. And so because of the midlife crisis, and let me tell you, I'm, 47 this year. I've had a few <laughs> crisis in the last number of years. Do you uh, mean I'm going to have another one, Douglas? You're going to have a few more plays coming out, I'm sure, my dear. <laughs> I'm confident of that. So what <laughs> this midlife crisis that caused you to put pen to paper? Well, first off, I really felt that I was the villain in the story. And so part of my motivation to share this story is that I wanted to give penance to my friend there, the Jordan character. I wanted to give Jordan the chance to shine and the chance to be able to be on a stage and share what he went through as a trans person and to share his, I don't, I don't know that he has a message necessarily, and it's not for me to speak to it, but when I uh, realized that I couldn't write the poetry for the show on behalf of Jordan, and I couldn't use the real poetry, the real Jordan read poetry about me at our poetry event, so I feel like I have the right to share this story. I feel like he hit first. So I feel like I had the right to share the story, but what I did know is that it is not for me to write from Jordan's perspective. So this whole play hinged on finding a transgender poet, a transgender actor. And so I put up an ad on Alberta Casting on Facebook and Kay Hall responded to me. I had quite a few respondents, but Kay Hall responded to me, sent me samples of his poetry, and I was like, I'm getting some references, but I know this is the person I need. And his poetry is amazing. 
And he's written four poems for the play that are really amazing poems. One of them is possibly very triggering because it's about self-harm. The others are about well-meaning people and how they should shut their mouths and about what it was like to grow up in a body that wasn't his own. And so I'm really excited to have worked with Kay writing some of the dialogue as well. And I'm super excited to give the trans community a chance to be on the stage and for it to not be a huge tragedy. You know what I mean? Because we've only got these, not only, but there are so many tragic stories. And this one, it might be, <laughs> unrequited love can be tragic. But I think it's an opportunity for people who may have trans friends, family members, or even just work with someone who's trans to be able to have their butt in the seat and see, oh, this person actually goes through something that I didn't understand. And maybe now they might understand a little bit better. When I do interviews or when people talk to me, I always mention that I am a recovering junior high and high school teacher. Recovering like an <laughs> alcoholic. It takes a while to go through that. And I was a language art teacher and we had to teach poetry. And I said, had to teach. Did I enjoy it myself? Not teaching it, but here or there, there were a few poems like a Langston Hughes that I fell in love with or just looking at the lyrics of a Lorena McKennett song and seeing the poetry that comes from there. There's a part of me that loves poetry, but there's a part of me that doesn't understand poetry whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Why is it important for you to have poetry be such an important part of your upcoming play? Well, Poet has been a passion for me since I was 10 years old, Douglas. Actually, I just released this chapbook, and it's got one of the poems from the play in it. But the reason why poetry is so important in the play is poetry is part of Dolores' identity. Now, the play happens in Dolores' apartment and at a poetry night, and she turns into Sparkle Dolores, my director, Elaine Spruill said that there was a sparkle Dolores. So you get to see Dolores performing to the audience and Dolores actually speaks directly to the audience several times, breaks the fourth wall. And Jordan only gets to speak through his poetry. So the poetry is really important because it gives Jordan the chance to talk. But also Stephen Darnell, who's playing one non-binary character and the four fuckboys, we call them, the four men who come into the scenes to have threesomes. Now, there's no onstage simulated sex. There's just descriptions of sex. So if you're a bit of a prude, kind of like me, <laughs> on stage anyway. Don't feel like you're going to be assaulted with some crazy shit. I mean, it's pretty sexy, but you're not going to see anything crazy. It's the fringe. <laughs> we expect. Yeah. I turned 18 on a day and I went to the fringe for the very first time. And there I saw two plays that night. One was called Coyote Arm and the other one was simply called Sex. Here I was, just turned 18 that day, went and saw sex, and the woman bared her chest. 
And so everything could be on stage. And at first I was like, oh, and then the next part I'm like, this is the fringe. Well, it's really interesting as an artist. I wrote this play based on my midlife crisis, but I had to, as the writer, because I'm collaborating with Stephen Darnell and who's written poetry as well, that is really funny for the show. And with Kay Hall, I had to separate myself and say, hey, wait a second, this isn't about Corrine and the real Jordan anymore. This is about Dolores and Jordan. So I had to separate the real story from the play. And you know the play's the thing, right? But then as an actor, I have to be able to access all of those emotions that Kareem might have been feeling. But really, it's been so interesting to be able to get to the point where I've separated the story so much and I'm just Dolores when I'm on stage and I'm thinking just about what serves the story on stage now. Some of the scenes are very emotional and I have to get really, really emotional. But then the next second, I'm doing something different. This is my first time acting, as we mentioned before. So I've been really scared, but my director, Elaine Spree's won several Sterling Awards. She is working with me and I'm so confident now with her guidance and with all the hard work I'm putting into it, that this is going to be an amazing show. And how many shows do you get when you're at the Fringe? How many do they assign to you to do? Well, you get six shows. And if you're held over, then you get, I think, eight or nine. But crossing fingers that we do really well. So there's yeah. six shows for sure, starting on August 12th. We're in Acacia Hall, which is air-conditioned, by the way. Which is wonderful. And All there's right. only 89 seats, so it's quite an intimate little theater. The information for the website is back on the screen again, www.thebender.ca, and on Instagram, thebender2022. You may mention before of being queer. And so we have to put in the question here to get your street cred with our listeners. How are you connected with our larger rainbow community? Well, you know, let's talk about that. I consider myself, I, I label myself as pansexual, but for when I figured out who I was in my 20s, I realized I wasn't a lesbian at all, that I'm definitely attracted to men. So I identified for a long time as bisexual. And I think that we really need to have a conversation about what happens with bisexual people in the community. I really gave up when I was living in Lethbridge in my 20s. I gave up on the, the community because I was told, hey, you're not gay. You're not gay if you like men. And you like men so much. And then I was dismissed as being a breeder. I was called a breeder and I was dismissed. And I was not invited to any parties and I was not part of the group. And maybe that's part of being in your 20s. But when I came to Edmonton, I've tried to go to some queer nights and I've never really been able to 
feel accepted by the community. And so I really want to be part of the wider community and putting this play out partially to say, hey, like I'm here and I wanna be part of the story. And you know, a really funny thing was said to me, which some people think it was cruel, but I thought it was kind of funny. One of the young comics, I do stand up comedy, by the way. One of the young comics that I run with, he said to me, when I said I won the Moet Diversity Award, he looked at me like this, very quizzically. And I said, yeah, I know I look like a middle-aged white lady, but I'm disabled and queer. And he looked at me and said, you don't look disabled and you don't seem that gay. So really what that does is open up an opportunity to talk about why diversity actually matters and what it actually is. It's not about how things look. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about whether you walk with crutches or not. It's about the point of view that you have, which is very different than the point of view that other people have, that normies have, we'll say, right? People with privilege that are often given a stage. So diversity is really important because we want to make sure as people who create content, I'm sure you're aware of this, there isn't much content that is queer out there. And so I really accept the responsibility that we need to make sure that we're writing stories with queer people in them. And so the queer community is a rainbow. It's called the rainbow because there's so many different people in the community. And I'm really ready to, to get more involved with the community. But I think the community really needs to realize that by erasure is a thing and accept that there is a spectrum, right? And people will flow in that spectrum. So, I mean, I don't ever get to date women. They don't date me, Douglas. They, they don't, I don't have any gaydar <laughs> for some reason. So I've really, really only dated a few women and a few trans people. So I don't know why I'm saying all of this, maybe because I'm trying to say, hey, I'm out there. I am single, by the way. It is more than okay if Tales of the 2S LGBTQ Plus becomes a dating service. So <laughs> if you're listening and you're watching and you would like to reach out to Kareem, please reach out to us first. I do have a private investigator <laughs> license, so I'll make sure that I screen you completely and you being our listeners who are interested on a date. And if everything passes, then I shall pass your information on to Kareem. Here we are making <laughs> connections. Hey, it happens. There's nothing wrong with that. I have been on radio Tinder once on Sonic. That didn't work out, but. Hey, oh, Sonic. I used to listen to that station often, but now they just play the same songs over and over again. What you mentioned about Buy Erasure is so important. And I have been guilty of this. I grew up at a time when it was gay, lesbian, bisexual, everything else that's now part of the initialism 
wasn't really part of the mindset at that time. And when growing up, bisexuality was seen as a testing area where people would test that out to see what people's responses were. Bye now, gay later is what they would say, right? Bye now, gay later. And so I was guilty later on, even when I knew better, of still having that mentality. So I've added my voice in the past did do erasure of bisexuality, but I'm learning. And so I'm late to the stage when it comes to that. So I'm really glad that you are making mention of this. And it's difficult to find a role and find a spot within the community. As much as we like to believe that we are open to everybody, we do go into our cliques. We do go into our small groups. And so it is difficult to penetrate, to break through. It can happen at any age. August is going to be a real coming out process for you in so many different ways because you're putting yourself out there to be judged, mm-hmm. to be revealed, but also to be praised and to be recognized and to be identified as who you are. So I'm really excited for you, Kareem. This is going to be wonderful. You made mention before of your poetry and you quickly showed us a book where your poetry was included within that. Can you tell us more about that book that you've released? And perhaps could you share some of your poetry with us? Yeah, for sure. So my friends, Matthew Albertos and Jack DeLong actually put this together for me. They produced it for me. I gave them the poetry and they made this happen. And it sells for only $10. It'll be selling on the vendor.ca. And I'm going to share with you first a poem that I wrote about being queer and from a Christian, fundamental Christian religion and coming from that. And then after that, I'll perform for you one of the poems which is in this book that I put into the bender. So the first one from my book is called Dog at the Door. From my book, 10, 20, 30, 40, a decade, four decades in words. And this is called Dog at Your Door. Dog at the Door. Let me in. Let me out. I am a dog at your door. Mother raised me to think for myself, to ask questions, but my questions led to answers which made me want out. Oh, let me out. Oh, God, let me in. Mother believes in sin, and I am a sinner in the eyes of the church. They tell Mother, Love the sinner, hate the sin. But mother, when this so-called sin is made of love, where does that leave me in relation to us? Let me in. Let me out. I am a dog at your door. Mother believes I have a choice. And I do believe that I have choices, but this isn't one of them. Let me in. Let me out. Mother believes mine will be an empty seat at the eternal table. If God is willing to banish me for loving, then mother, do you banish me too? Oh, let me in, but let me out again. Mother, 
I am a dog at your door. We make mention of let me in and let me out. It alludes back to what we were just talking about with you within the community, wanting to be in, being excluded as well, as well as what you're talking about with religion. Where do you see your future? Are you at the point where you are looking to someone or even yourself letting you in? Or are you looking now for letting yourself out? I think that I spent so many years not understanding myself, not being okay in my body. And once I turned 40 and, you know, part of my midlife crisis, the bender, the story happened when I was 40. And part of this process of writing a play about it has really helped me accept not only my own body and being comfortable inside of myself, but it's also helped me accept the shadow sides of myself. I was accused of being a villain, you know, but I also got to see that I'm not always the sweet, nice girl, but that I have a shadow side. But to get back to the question, what happens for me in the future is that I embrace that I'm queer, even with my Mormon family. And I don't hide that anymore. And I talk to them about my queerness. And I say, hey, I might not look gay. I might not have gaydar, but I'm very queer. And that doesn't mean just that I eat pussy, Douglas. It means so much more, right? And so I, I don't know if I'm going to get this next opportunity, but I have applied for the National Queer and Trans Playwriting Unit, and I have partnered with ISMIS, the Institute for Sexual Minority Studies and Services. And so if we're accepted to this, we're going to be putting a call out to the queer community and asking for positive stories of queer folks rising in, the, in their lives and overcoming the challenge of living in, a, in a, a lifestyle that's not always accepted. But we want to, Isthmus and I want to highlight that the project is called Love Me, I Love Me, the voices of Isthmus. And if that's not picked up by the queer and trans playwriting unit, I might try and do it on my own. But what I'm trying to say is I'm going to be working more in the future on projects that celebrate my queerness and the queer community as well. That's fantastic. And yes, please, if it doesn't go through the organization that you made mention of, it's on you to make sure that your voice is heard. And we can definitely help you in all the different ways here with the podcast, with Pride Corner, all those type of things to make sure that that yeah. voice comes up. Because it is important. And those are things that I've realized now in my 40s. I've realized that in the past, I've had that shadow self. When you hit your 40s, it is an awakening. You find out who you are the good and the bad, mm -hmm. the ugly, but you pick up on it. And it's making sure that those voices do get out. I'm solidly in my 40s now. I'll be 45 this year. So I really feel like I'm cresting the hill for the next six months. And then it's all downhill. But, you well, know, downhill can be fun. Just don't go too fast, right? As someone who is slightly older than you, <laughs> ride that wave. You know, when I turned 45, that's when I started really becoming involved in the community. Beforehand, I stayed almost exclusive in 
the bear community, the cub, the okay. otter community. We ostracized ourselves. And during those years, I don't even remember when I talked to a woman who was part of our rainbow community, just because I was so focused on the males for some reason. I'm really, I'm really interested in what you said, that you ostracized yourself. And I feel like in the past, because of my experience in Lethbridge with the gay community there, which was really vibrant, I got to go to the gala events and I met real Brokeback Cowboy cowboys that were like actual ranchers. It was a really cool scene, but I just didn't feel accepted. And so when I came here, I isolated myself from the community. You've mentioned your queerness and the word queer is a word that I am becoming better with, but I've always struggled with the word queer. I understand mm -hmm. why people use it now. I'm always yeah. had that used as a negative word in the past, but I'm understanding it. So we've talked about your queerness. We haven't touched upon the disability part and it's okay. important for that disabled queer voice to be heard as well. And mm -hmm. so what are you able to talk about when it comes to your disability? Thank you for not asking me directly what my disability is. Some people like to be asked, but personally, I feel like if a disabled person hasn't, what is this word? I'm sorry, disclosed. If a disabled person hasn't disclosed their disability or their lived experience, they, they tell you about their lived experience, but don't say what it is. I think you really need to respect that they will come to it when they're ready. I don't live in a closet about anything anymore. I used to. I used to be a nanny and a sex fiend on the side, as, one, as does. one does, but now I don't live in a closet about anything. So I would be happy to reveal that I do have bipolar disorder and that's an invisible disability. And we struggle, those of us who live with what is called mental illness, to say to the community, the wider community, and even to the dis disabled community, this is a real thing. This is an actual illness like diabetes, like it's the same. It just happens to affect my brain, which affects my behavior. And it's really difficult for everyone, even my family members to know what's sickness, what's illness, and what's Kareen being an asshole. Well, I just want to, to say, Corrine is never trying to be an asshole. Sometimes I am. But those people who know me well and are aware that I have bipolar disorder, they know exactly when Corrine is hypomanic or when Corrine is not. Bipolarism has been a topic on previous episodes. My okay. husband is bipolar. So oh, wow. we talk about mental health often. And you're talking about from a female voice. We always make sure that on this podcast that I make mention of my husband because men don't talk about mental illness at all. And so mm -hmm. as you're going to describe bipolarism, I really want people who are listening to listen to with what you're saying. It's very real. People just need to understand a little bit more. And so Kareen, tell us more about what is bipolarism. So I have bipolar one, which means that I have extreme highs of 
mania and hypomania, as well as extreme lows, which include lack of energy, my body actually gets depressed and I cannot move very well and I can't get out of bed. So I have sleep comas, I have depression, I've struggled with suicidal ideation. And you know, the knife talks to me and says, you should cut yourself. The fridge talks to me and says, you don't belong here. But I take really great medicine now. I actually get an injection of Abilify Maintaina. But what I really want to do is like let let's educate people about the difference between mania and hypomania. Because I had a brother-in-law who said they must be the same thing. Mania is mania. Well, they should maybe call them different things. But what hypomania actually is is mania is the stage where I've lost touch with reality. I think the cars can hear what my intentions are. I don't have to look both ways. They'll stop for me. And maybe I might be marrying Jesus if I can convince Cain to repent. Like I lose touch with reality. But there is a stage right before that where I can actually intervene and not get there. There's a stage called hypomania. And that's actually a really fun things sometimes. If I want to get really high, Douglas, I stop taking drugs. So I get into a state where it's kind of like I just did some acid or maybe smoked a little bit too much THC and I get a lot of great ideas. I can write a play in a night. I can come up with projects and I ask people to help me with them and sometimes they work out. Most of the time I get visions. Stories are revealed to me and ideas that are really big. My cousin Louie says I'm a prophet. I don't know if that's true, but I do often see the future and that all happens while I know I'm not well. I know that I'm in vision state or I'm in hypomania. And I have to be really, really good to myself. That happens usually if I don't get sleep. So the reason why I wanted to talk about that is those of you who have friends with bipolar disorder, that's it's a really big distinction, bipolar one anyway, the hypomania and the mania. Because if you find your friend is in hypomania and they're riding it and having fun, ride it with them, have some fun with them. But remember, they're inebriated, they're drunk, and they might need a little bit of your help. They might need you to say, hey, did you sleep last night? Or do you think maybe you should go home and go to sleep instead of performing and being Sparkle Corrine? I think that's really important for those of us who live with bipolar disorder to have the people that love us and care for us realize sometimes we just need to get into vision mode, but we do need help when we're there. Absolutely. And just from the personal experience for ourselves, and of course, it's a personal one, doesn't say for everybody, we find in our home having routines that we follow to make sure that it keeps everything in check. There's just check boxes that one goes through before you go to sleep mm -hmm. and ensuring that sleep is had. It's mm -hmm. important. This part of the conversation for some people might be very uncomfortable to listen to. We've gone from promoting a stage, a show that's coming up, talking about your queerness, and now that mental illness part, it's uncomfortable to many people. But as you made mention, 
it is a high. And there's a reason why people don't want to use drugs or go through things because this mm-hmm. is a part of who a person is. And this is part of that makes yeah. a person special and creative. And so it's difficult to shut down those voices because who are you if you don't have those voices? Right. Um, that's a difficult conversation to have. Bridging into that then, Kareen, where are you at now when it comes to yourself? Do you feel that as a queer, disabled adult, you're getting the hang of it? Or is this a continual learning that you're always going to do? There will always be learning, but I've had bipolar disorder for my whole life. The first manic episode was when I was 16. And now I'm very comfortable with myself. I do institute routines for myself. I have a great roommate, two great roommates now that support me. And, you know, like they realize that Korean's going to go on a bit of a vision mode sometimes. But they also say, hey, did you sleep? And I do have a poem in here. It's called Needy. And I won't read that one today, but that poem really discusses the fact that I'm not an island and I can't do it alone. I do have to rescue myself most of the time, but that poem really discusses the fact that, you know, there are absences in my life. I am needy. I do have needs, but guess what? So do all of us. So do all of us. And I really have embraced the fact that I'm neurologically different. So I do consider myself neurodivergent. And I think labels can be a really great tool. And guess what? You can pull them off sometimes. But this neurodivergent thing, instead of saying mentally ill, because that makes it sound like she's just crazy, when really my brain doesn't work the way that normies brains do. Normies have a brain that works in a, like a lot of them are very linear thinking. And I think it's beautiful that we have people who are different, that are divergent, because we have better, a variety of ideas. And sometimes we need to get out of that box. You know, sometimes we need to build a box, Douglas, and and kind of sit in it like with our routines. But other times we need to realize that people that are neurodivergent are brilliant people with really less opportunities to show that brilliance. So I am really thrilled that I've been given the opportunity to do the bender. And I'm really thrilled that at this point in my life, I'm ready to say, hey, I'm queer, I'm here, and I'm used to it, so hopefully you'll embrace me now. Open arms, open arms, come into our circle, you're one of us. Can we have another poem from you? Yeah, so I'm going to perform this like a scene from the play. I'm going to put on Sparkle Dolores. So here we are. Tonight, I'm going to perform a poem for you that's a little bit sexy, a little bit scary, but all buckle up for fear of love. Lover, 
You cover me in my gray chair with a red blanket, and I fall into a fitful sleep. I dream of you. You're a snake in my bed. I sense you nearing. You're coming right for me. I, I go fetal, cover my breasts with my blanket. I am scared to touch scared to be touched by you scared of how you will feel but you weave your way around my leg and teach me to like your cold skin and to joy in the speed with which I cool to you your scales feel rough against my thigh and with your slither from my hip to my elbow to my shoulder I I relax your in my ear is enough to quiet the city of thoughts in my mind. Turn down the bebop. Your on my neck as you shake your rattle over my navel wakes my skin in such a way that I feel not only your skin, but my own alive again. And the fine hair that populates the landscape of my body rises up to you in the pregnant moment before you swallow me whole. Yes, listeners to this podcast, and if you're listening in your car, it is okay to pull over to the side of the road and have some alone time if you need to. That's right. <laughs> You know, I didn't know that was a sexy poem because it just was revealed to me in a vision. But uh, but yeah, it's quite sexy. Yeah. So, Green, we've talked a lot about who you are, and there's so much that we're not able to get to at this time, just simply due to time. So we're going to continue to have this conversation in the future, and let's do some live when it's closer to the, the fringe date, let's make sure that we learn more about you because we've only peeled back some of the layers. I always wrap up an interview with this question. 15 years old was an important year for me. It's about when I learned more about myself, family changes. If you had the opportunity to go back and talk to the 15-year-old Kareem, what would you say to her? You know, I think the biggest thing I would want to say to her is relax. This is a journey. This is a marathon. And relax and realize that other people can't satisfy you. That other people are not a drug to be taken. And that your sex is not a weapon. I would say to Corrine, Relax, have some fun, indulge yourself, and remember that the past is over. The future isn't here yet. So every day that you live, I want you to make sure you're setting yourself up for a good day tomorrow. But embrace today. Embrace today. Love it. Absolutely love it. Kareem, it has been a pleasure to finally be able to talk to you. We're going to continue to do this again in the future. Once again, everyone, we've been talking to Kareem Dumas today about her upcoming play at the Edmonton Fringe Festival called The Bender. More information can be found at the website www.thebender.ca. Also on Instagram, 
the Bender 2022. At the website, you can find information about the play. You can also find information about the book of poetry that was recently released, 10, 20, 30, 40, looking at the different decades, the aspects of her life. Do check that out. Kareen, it has been a pleasure. If people would like to reach out to Kareen for professional reasons or just to get to know her a little better, you can always reach out to me here at this podcast. I'm going to check you out, make sure that you pass all the tests. And then if so, I'll pass that information on to Kareen. I just wanted to say quick before you end, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been wonderful. It's my pleasure, my friend. Meet new people every week and we become smitten. And so once again, I'm smitten. So thank you for this. On behalf of Kareen, my name is Douglas Parsons. You've been listening to Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. Please check out previous episodes found on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We talk to a wide range of people. Listen to their stories which happens to be our stories. Until next time, everyone, I'm here to remind you to be good and always text when you get home. Goodbye for now, everyone.